Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Matt and Grace. Uh, like Matt said, my name is Nathaniel. I'm one of the leaders here. If uh, you're tuning in and you uh, don't recognize this face, then that's me. Um, I also just want to briefly say thank you. The last time I preached to you all, we were a family of four. We're now a family of five, uh, having welcomed our daughter in just before Christmas. So uh, they're all tucked up at home this morning watching online. Hope they're being good for their mum as well. Uh, and I have the pleasure of being here. So whether you're tuning in at home, like my family, or whether you're in the room, you're most welcome. Like Matt and Grace said, we are continuing our bigger picture series through Ephesians. And today we're in Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14. And I'm just going to read it to you just so that you get the context before we start. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, Amen. Wow, what a passage to be preaching from this morning. Now, actually, I don't often do this, but before we get into it too much, I want to read it again. And actually, this is especially for the benefit of you guys who are at home, because I know what it's like. You've got your phone on the table, like Grace encouraged us earlier to turn it around. You might be thinking about the washing up, or the kids might just be settling down to their, uh, to their YouTube. Whatever it is, I want you to take a moment and really listen to these verses this morning because they are such, such impactful and powerful verses. And I dare say that if I sat here this morning and just read them to you 15 times and sat down, you would get something from this morning's message. So it, it helps close your eyes. I just want to read this to you one more time. Really listen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Wow. So today's passage starts with the words, for this reason. And when you see words like that, it's always good to ask, for what reason? Now the New Living Translation puts it this way, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees. So we've got to take a moment to think about what all this is. It's actually in the context of the last few weeks. All that we've heard as we've been preaching through our Ephesians series so far, the things that John and Matt and Rich have said, uh, bring us together into this point of prayer. So if you haven't uh, heard all of the, the sermon series yet, you can go and find them on our YouTube channel. I encourage you to do so later. Catch up. If we journey back to the beginning of chapter 3, we actually find Paul's excited interjection. At the beginning of chapter 3, in verse 1, he says, for this reason, and then interjects off to make one final point before bursting into this prayer. For this reason, we can see today's passage as a crescendo into prayer. 
A few weeks ago, John Hosier prompted us to read Ephesians from start to finish to get a, a picture of the letter as a whole. And if you do that, you get this picture of Paul excitedly writing through chapters one and two and three, and he's more and more enthusiastic as he explains the glorious riches of God's grace to us and the salvation that's ours through Jesus Christ, our new citizenship and our family and our inheritance. And you can imagine his head's full of all of this language that he wants to express to the church and to the readers of this letter to get them to grasp the depths of love shown by God to his people. They're charged to preach the gospel and all that was accomplished through Jesus. And before he takes a breath, this description turns into praise and then into prayer. You can imagine him getting to the amen at the end, just out of breath from all that he's written and said so far, from the excitement of all that we've read so far in our letter to the Ephesians. What we're reading this morning, our passage, it pours out out from all that we've read so far. And this prayer has got some really strong themes that I'd like us to explore today as we look at how we can make this our prayer and apply it to our own lives. So the first theme that I want to take us through is rooted and established. Now, this is actually Paul's second prayer in this letter. The first one was in chapter 1, starting in verse 15. And in that prayer, he prayed for wisdom and understanding for the readers, that they might know God better and grasp the riches of the inheritance that's theirs through Jesus. And what we're seeing here is a gear change. If the first prayer is for wisdom and understanding, then this prayer is that we'd be strengthened by it. We'd know God's indwelt love to our very bones. Not just that we would know it, but that we would experience it. It's like he's saying, now you know it, live in the truth of it. Now you know it, let it strengthen you, let it anchor you. This power and love that Paul prays about here is to be the very core of who we are. It's where we draw strength and it's also important to note that it's God that does that strengthening in us. You'll read in verse 16 that we're strengthened through the Spirit to our inner being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we may be rooted and established in love. So what does it mean to be rooted and established? Well, those words actually have very specific meanings in our text today. Phil Moore, who's a commentator, has written about these verses, and he says this, The first word was used for the way that a massive oak tree is grounded deep into the earth, and the second word was used for the way that a solid building was held firm with its deep foundations. If you find yourself struggling at the moment, lamenting the loss of normal life, then these verses are for you. The answer here is to look at what you're anchored in, what you're rooted and established in. I was encouraged recently by a talk on this very subject, a reminder that actually life as it is now is not how it's supposed to be, both because of coronavirus and because of sin, full of distractions and diversions. But that the answer is to remember that as Christians, we're called to something bigger. If you know Jesus, then as Paul's already told us, he shares his inheritance with you, glorious riches of salvation and grace and mercy and eternity. It's these things that should provide us with our anchor in life that we should be rooted and established in. Think about that tree metaphor for a moment. I don't know if you've ever tried to remove an established tree from its roots. When we bought our first house, we had this big tree in our back garden, and our garden wasn't very big, so this tree kind of dwarfed the whole garden. So the first thing we thought we'd do is get rid of it. Let's get a bit more garden space. So we chopped the thing down, and we chopped off the branches, and the trunk slowly went until we were left with this kind of stub at the bottom and the roots. And we thought, right, this is the easy bit. 
all we got to do is dig this last bit out. And we started digging and we started pulling and there's no way that we could get these roots out. They were just stuck in the ground there. And then we thought, right, come on, we're clever people. Let's think about this. You know, let's, let's find the roots and see which direction they go in. But then you realize they go out in all direction and there's something that's keeping them just anchored into the ground there. And no matter what we tried, we just could not get this tree out. So for the next three years that we lived in that house, that stub of a trunk was sat there as a reminder of our failure that we couldn't get that tree out of the ground. Now, Paul talks about us being strengthened to our inner being. The tree didn't look like very much, especially when it was down to its stub. But what matters is underneath what's underground. And it's the same with us. We could have the most luscious leaves, the biggest Bible, say all the right things on a Sunday morning. But God sees past that and he sees to what's underneath. And that's the bit that God wants to strengthen us in. See, it matters what we're rooted and established and anchored in. And for us, that needs to be the love of Jesus. At this moment, as we continue under lockdown restrictions, it can be easier than ever to be blown about by the world, the news of the day, health anxieties, and the Groundhog Dayness of it all, waking up and thinking, oh, what day is it today? And what's more, without the support of people around you, it can be easier to miss the warning signs or actually easier to hide it from one another. But we're called to something bigger, a bigger picture. That's what this preaching series is all about. And that's what we need to be rooted in, rather than seeing this as a season to get through. Now's the time for us to work on our foundations. Let your roots grow deeper into the things that matter so that you're drawing strength each day from the truth of who you are in Jesus and not from the latest virus figures or the five o'clock briefing. Pray and read the Bible and spend time with God. Invest in a relationship that's going to last you an eternity because it's never going to be time wasted. And God will strengthen you as you do it. And it's, in these, it's these things that are going to help us to weather the storms that life can bring. Unmoved like that tree, because what we're rooted in, it's permanent. If life feels full on and a bit of a whirlwind of working and having caring responsibilities, then deepen those roots and be strengthened by God. If you're worried and anxious and worn out by coronavirus news, then turn off the TV and pick up a Bible and let God strengthen you. If you're bored and lonely and fed up, then be rooted and established in God through his strengthening as you pray with purpose. There's a bigger picture here that we are caught up in. The next big theme that we see is love. And namely, the, 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 the love that God has for us, his people. This is the heart of today's text, actually, the purpose of Paul's prayer. Our passage tells us we're to be rooted and established in love so that we can grasp it, its depths and its length, how wide and how high it is. So big that it surpasses knowledge. It's what it says. Let me read that bit for you again, starting in verse 17. It says here, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, it goes without saying that love's quite a subjective subject, isn't it? Especially in our modern culture, it can be reduced to a feeling, how we feel in any particular moment. Do we feel love? And actually, if you've been hurt by somebody who you've loved or who has loved you, or have never found the romantic love that perhaps you've wanted, you might have a very different view or, uh, or description of love than, than me. But actually, this 
passage for us is really clear today, and it's really important. Whatever our background, whatever our family situation, whatever our definition of love, here's the truth. We can all feel the same love as it is described here because that's how much we are loved by God. It's a love that stretches in every direction, enveloping and all-encompassing. That's what Paul wants the Ephesians to grasp and what we're to grasp as well, the length to which God loves us. This love isn't based on feeling, but on what Christ has done for us. His ultimate act of love in his willingness to die on a cross to save us from certain death because of the weight of our own wrongdoing. And that's what the Bible calls sin. His act of salvation on the cross, taking our sin and shame and replacing it with righteousness and an internal inheritance where we're now called members of God's family. This is a permanent state of love. You believe in Jesus, no one can take that away from you. Something that for the Christian, we need to grasp and it, and it can only grow in us as we grasp and understand it, understand and are rooted and established in it more. I was reading a couple of commentaries alongside this whilst I was preparing for it, and a couple of commentators put it way better than I can. One said this, No matter how much knowledge we have of Christ and his work, his love surpasses that knowledge. The more we know of his love, the more we're amazed by it. Another one wrote this, No matter how much we know of the love of Christ, how we fully enter into his love for us, there's always more to know and experience. Back to how we apply it in this season then. This is what we need to do to anchor ourselves in, to allow the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us to fill us and to know how much we're loved and the permanence of it. And for this to give us strength as we're filled to the full measure with it. So if you're a Christian today, here or listening at home, then the exciting thing is that we get to spend eternity exploring the fullness of this love and we'll never be exhausted by it. And if you're not a Christian and you're tuning in, congratulations for making it this far into our service. We're really, really grateful that you hung around and you're most welcome. And if you have made it this far, then I want you to know that this same gift of love is available for you this morning as well. If you believe that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you and you've got a choice today to accept that love and to spend the rest of your life and the rest of your eternity exploring it as well. If that's you, then please do keep listening, because there's even more still to come. The next big theme that we're going to explore from our prayer is power. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. In other words, One commentator writes, his ability far surpasses not only what we verbalize in prayer, but also beyond our wildest imaginations. Can you see how multifaceted this prayer is and how amazing it is as we move from being strengthened by God, rooted and established in love, and now we hear about the power that is at work within us. Romans 8 puts it this way, starting in verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives inside you. And we believe that here at Gateway Church. Now, I actually had a, a, I grew up in church, spent, um, my, my parents were Christians, took us along to church on a Sunday morning. And actually, from a very early age, we were in a church that also, like this church, believes in the Holy Spirit, that it's something that we can experience and have help and guide us today. And I remember from a very early age, as young as six years old, uh, being in a, a church service and just experiencing the power of God 
And I knew in that moment that no matter what ever happened in the rest of my life, I would never ever be able to deny that God existed because I had felt him. I felt his power. And that means no matter what happened in the rest of my life, whether I had a good life subjectively or whether I'd had a bad life subjectively, actually I would never ever be able to come to a point where I would say there's no such thing as God because honestly, I'd felt him to my bones. I knew it. Now, do I tangibly feel the presence of God like that every day as I walk about my everyday life? No. But do those experiences keep me rooted and anchored when all else fails? Absolutely they do. And that's the point. That's what we need to grasp this morning, that God loves us and he's filling us through his Holy Spirit with power. See, Paul knew who Jesus was. He knew his love and he knew his power. And in it anchoring him, he prays. It's out of that anchoring that he, he prays this prayer, even when his present circumstances are less than ideal. We've got to remember the context of this letter. Paul's under house arrest in Rome. It's actually not all going particularly well for him in a, you know, a subjective sense. And maybe you feel a bit under house arrest at the moment, especially as most of the people listening are going to be at home. I don't know about you, but I haven't quite broken into a prayer as impassioned as the one that Paul's praying here. And that's what Paul wants us to grasp. If we truly understood the words spoken to us in Ephesians, how much God loves us, how high and how wide and how deep, and the sacrifice that was made for those who believe in Jesus to be caught up in this glorious eternal hope, then we should be passionate prayers as well. Of course, it's easy to say this on a Sunday as I sit here with my best clothes on, to read Ephesians 3 and get all excited about it. But with this context in mind, this prayer isn't for the Sunday mornings. It's for the Monday morning when you're waking up ready for a new week, or the Wednesday afternoon, or the Thursday evening when you can't get the kids in bed and you're tired. It's for Paul under house arrest. It's for the church in Ephesus on Gospel Advance. It's for Gateway Church this morning experiencing things from different locations as most of us are at home. This prayer isn't for the high moments. It's a prayer for the low ones as well. In all things, all things, we might be rooted and established in love to grasp how much God loves us and to have a bigger picture of the one that we're praying to. Do you believe that there's anything outside of God's control? I don't. Of course not. So we have to believe that this season that we're in now is under the control of God. And more than that, the God who can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. It's time to lay hold of the truth of who God is, his vastness and his power and his love. To put our trust in knowing that God's about a bigger work than that which we can see with our own eyes. And this should give us hope even in a season like this and help us to pray with the passion of Paul that we would grasp it all the more. At the end of 2019, we as a church went through our 50 days of prayer. And if you were here in 2019, you might remember how stirring that was as we prayed every day for 50 days together. And there's one memory that particularly sticks out for me, and it's uh, uh, the, some writing that um, Jenny Pollock did about the dangers of be with prayers. You know, when you say, be with this person today, be with that person today. And as Paul prays here, I'm actually reminded uh, of that warning again, that actually if we believe that, that God is with us, indwelt in us to our very bones, then he's already here. We don't need to pray, be with prayers, because God is here, indwelt. Christ dwells in our hearts. 
We're praying then with the same power that raised Christ from the grave. The unsurpassable, incomprehensible, bursting, filter-bursting, death-defeating power that Paul prays here when he's praying. In that same blog, Jenny Pollock wrote this. I want my friends to be healed and for their job interviews to be successful and for them to have a nice time on holiday. But far more than that, I want them to know Christ and the glory of his resurrection, to grow in the knowledge and depth of insight, to live in hope and to be filled with the fullness of God. That's the sort of prayers that we need to be praying in this season. God is with us already here. Let's pray these bigger prayers. Lay hold of Paul's prayer and make it your own. Get a bigger picture of who God is and believe that he can redeem even your lockdown experience. We're not just holding the fort, waiting for it all to blow over. We can be on the front foot of exploring the depths of God's love and for us to be passionate in praying that others would know that love as well. Transform your thinking this morning from holding on to pressing forward, purposeful in prayer, empowered by the Holy Spirit, looking for God to break into the everyday. Like I said, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, not just in the scriptures that we read, but in everyday life now, that God speaks and guides and gives peace and comfort and love through his Spirit. And I want to just say that the words that we've spoken today don't just look good on a page or on the video that you're watching, but can be our reality as well. It's possible that even now we can be strengthened to our inner beings by the amazing power of God through the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for us right now in this moment of lockdown reality that we're not holding on, but we're filled with the power of the Spirit to be a people of purpose, deepening our relationship with the Father, sharing the good news of his Son, and acting by the power of his Spirit in the everyday. So if it's okay, I'm just going to pray for us quickly, and then I'll make my final point. Lord, I do want to pray, even in this moment, that we would know and experience the love of God that is being talked about here. That even in this season, with all its struggles, we would be people of purpose and people on a mission because we, are, we know we are caught up in something bigger. And I pray right now for those of us in this room and those of us at home that we would be strengthened, rooted and established in love and we would know it to our very bones. In your name, amen. My final point then is unity. That's another key theme that we see through this prayer. Verse 21 says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's important that we see this prayer in the context of unity as well. Remember Paul's opening words, for this reason, which we read directly after a reminder that the inheritance that's being talked about in, in Ephesians is available for Jew and Gentile through Jesus. Paul prayed that we might have power together with the saints, together with the Lord's people. And he said that in verse 18, and now in verse 21, we get another reminder. This prayer is meant to capture us all up, one family with one father, the same love which is outworked through us, his church, through all generations. That's to say that this prayer is for us to grasp God's love individually and corporately. God's love should pour out of us individually and extend to those around us corporately and then to the ends of the earth for the glory of Jesus. That means that this prayer is also for you this morning and for me, for our strengthening. And we're to use it in the context of the church to strengthen one another as well so that we might be effective for the mission that we've been called to. In that sense, we can let these verses strengthen us in unity too. I'm actually really grateful that the restrictions have allowed a few of us to be 
present physically in a building this morning, but I'm very aware that there are far more people watching through the screen today as well. And actually, being separated physically at the moment is, is difficult, isn't it? And we need to be prayerful and expectant for a day where we can come together again and be united again, physically as the church of God. It's okay to say that things aren't supposed to, they're not how they're supposed to be at the moment. We're separated physically, and it's okay to feel the pain of that and the frustration of it. Because as Christians, we should be together physically, encouraging one another in our faith. So please don't let yourself get too comfortable at home on the sofa. Let's hope for a day where we can be together again. And like Grace encouraged us at the very beginning, whether you're sat here with me in the room today or whether you're watching at home, we can be caught up in this same prayer together, Gateway Church, as one in unity. And to the unity this speaks of, we should also be strengthened in knowing that God's power is at work through the church and that the church is on a great mission together, even now, to extend God's kingdom wherever we are. Even in this season, that Jesus' glory can be revealed through the church as it always has and as it will be until Jesus comes again. And that this love's going to be revealed to us forever and ever and ever. That's why this isn't a season to take our foot off the pedal, but it's a season to push in, rooted and established in love, to be filled with God's power that we might be equipped for the mission that he's called us to as we share God's love with those around us and look to see the gospel advance and his kingdom break in to the everyday of life for his glory. Let that inspire you this morning. Let it inspire you if you're feeling a little bit of a lack of purpose at the moment. We're on a mission. We're caught up in a bigger picture. You can lift your head and know that you are caught up in something bigger than your own circumstance now. So if you're stuck for something to pray for today, then pray for that. That Gateway Church will continue to be faithful to Jesus and to preach the gospel for his glory. Amen. Now, we've spent some time exploring Paul's prayer. What I'd actually like to do is just close by praying it over you, that this, this prayer might be our prayer. Let's take hold of it. Let's make it our own. Let's allow it to strengthen us, not just now on Sunday in this moment, but like I said, Monday morning and Wednesday afternoon and Thursday night. Let this prayer strengthen you this week with all its highs and lows that you may grasp the depth to which God loves you and the amazing act of Jesus on the cross for you. So let me pray for you. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.